Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Can I trade triceps with Joe Thomas? I would gladly give him mine. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. No offense, but I think he might be better off with a torn one of his than yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of the few muscles I think I can actually like boast about, but you're probably still right. Michael is currently flexing his tricep <laughs> into the iPad for us. <laughs> okay, nice, Michael. Good to see it. So, all right, big loss this week. Oh, and seven. Don't act so excited. <laughs> yeah, let's go Browns. I got, you got to get excited about something. I'm getting excited about our first-round draft pick. Number one overall, baby. The draft has always been my favorite part about being a Browns fan. Not even close. Coming into this week, according to Pro Football – or Football Outsiders, sorry, we had a 70% chance to get the number one pick already. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's music to my ears. Literally, the and draft then Joe Thomas got hurt, and 90. that jumped up to 90%. And we lost again. Yeah, it's got to be, like, approaching – a certainty at I this think point. it's hilarious that definitely not even close our best player is an offensive lineman for the past like 10 years like I just think that's amazing like that's such a Brad's like just to show like he was very useful and he's very good but just like so unimpressive that your best player by far over the last 10 years has been an offensive lineman I was trying to I was trying to remember who was the last person to play left tackle for the Browns back in 2006. Who played left tackle for us before we drafted Joe Thomas? I, I don't remember. Well, don't have, even recall. I don't remember. It's so insignificant. I'll try to find the answer before the end of the pod, and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Let's talk about so, this game. Yeah, so that, so that game, uh, uh, I watched it again today. was not exciting. Um, just a lot of field goals um, and a ch- choices to not take field goals when we had the option to. Um, what did you think, Michael? You watched it again today too, right? Yeah, I did, and like I told you guys before we came on, I'm kind of glad I did because I forgot about a few things that I definitely thought in the moment that I had forgotten in my misery after the game. Mm -hmm. So side note that I live in Jacksonville, and so after the Jags game concluded, since we went to overtime, all of the local coverage switched to the Browns, so I got this flood of text messages from all of these Jacksonville <laughs> people, like "Go Browns!" because of course they want the Titans to be like lower in the yeah, AFC yeah. South rankings. And then it was like all of these flood of text messages, like "Oh, I'm so sorry." I felt like for the first time, people truly understood like what it felt like to be a Browns fan. It's actually really funny because the exact same thing happened to me. I got so many texts because I live in Nashville. So it was broadcast on the local station. So I was watching it, and everyone obviously knows I'm a Browns fan. I'm oddly vocal about it, even though they're very bad. Um, and so all my friends were texting me like, dude, you guys got this. And I'm like, no, we really don't. Like this is it, – <laughs> it happens like this every single week. I guarantee you we'll barely lose. Losing by a field goal in overtime was exactly what I expected. So the thing that killed me about this game was – I felt like we were just shooting ourselves in the foot from the very beginning of the game. Like the opening kickoff, Mm -hmm. we had a penalty that gave them an extra five yards. We had, I think it was a total of five special teams penalties and another five offsides, most of which gave the Titans a first down. And I think most of which were actually on third down. Or fourth. There was one on fourth down. it It was just brutal. So some of that stuff like really jumped out to me whenever I uh, watched it through the second time. Yeah, I don't know. 
it seems like it's a new thing every week with the Browns. Like the reason why we lose football games and the like consistent theme is awful quarterback play and throwing interceptions. But there's usually another reason. I was trying to think before this game started what it was going to be. And in hindsight, now, obviously, clearly, it's jumping offsides. Well, it was penalties. It was penalties through and through. There was those two really bad penalties on our first drive where we got it down. It was like second and long, and we got it. There was a one pass that on the flat. Second drive. To, it was a second drive. Okay, to Duke Johnson. And Duke gets up and almost gets a first down. We're two yards away, but there was um, – I think it was holding. And then the second one was hands to the hands face. Hands to the face on Crowell. And so then we end up – it's second and 20 – five or whatever it was and we just like we don't have the quarterback play to be able to do anything about that and we run a draw up the middle and gain one yard and it's third and 24 and we just have no chance it's just it just kills a drive just kills a drive yeah we were in field goal range and the penalties knocked us clear out of it and we ended up punting it was terrible here's something no go ahead you're fine go ahead no it's all talking about the browns they suck (laughs) You might as well talk. It doesn't matter. So I think it comes back to bite us all the time that we don't have a tight end that can block. I mean, you you talked about that drive where that holding call came back to bite us, and that was on um, DeValve, who was asked to block the defensive end outside linebacker coming out of play because it was that weird, like, play where Kaiser was lined up as a wide receiver and it was pitched back to him. And DeValve was left on an island out there and just got burned and had to hold the guy to keep Kaiser from getting blasted. Um, and maybe we'll talk about this as we talk about the Joe Thomas injury and maybe having to give help to our left tackle, but I don't know how we do that because we don't have a tight end that can block well. Yeah, it's true. Even Telfer, whenever we put Telfer in, who's supposed to be our blocking tight end, like he gets toasted like all the time, it's yeah. over and over again. He's about so, as good a blocking tight end as any of our quarterbacks are as being quarterbacks. <laughs> I don't know if you can ever reach that level of uh, <laughs> despair. Wow, what a burn. <laughs> so another thing that I think we all were super frustrated with was that early drive by the Titans whenever uh, they had that 15-yard, uh, was it a personal foul? I don't even remember what the penalty was. But it they were in a situation where they were going to be in a fourth and one. And they had we had drawn the personal foul, oh, and yeah. Hugh decided to not accept the penalty, and they and went then for it. They went up to the line to go for it, and that was our first offsides penalty. But why in the world would Hugh actually decline that penalty? Can anybody explain that to me? Well, I think the what he was thinking was it's fourth down, so now they're immediately going to either punt the ball or kick the field goal or whatever, but it's 15 yards in, like, close to field goal range. You have to take the yardage. They were, you, they were already in, field like, a long field goal range. That would have pushed them back. Yeah. When it, when it happened live, you have to take the yardage. I mean, I know, I know you never want to give a team another opportunity, but the fact is a fourth and one – it's pretty close to a 50-50 proposition, maybe even slightly in the offensive favor as far as converting it. A third and 12, or third and, what was it, 16? It was it, a 15 yeah, yeah, it would have been third and 16. That's converted once every 10 times, maybe? maybe. Like, yeah. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the odds are in your favor there, and then you've pushed them out of field goal range, and you get them to punt, and you, you also keep have them to off the board. You also take into consideration when your defensive line jumps off sides every time they do a hard count. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you definitely need to take the yeah, yards. you got to build in a yeah. margin of error <laughs> with made, the penalty yards. 
It certainly made Hugh look even dumber whenever we just jumped off sides and gave it to him. But so my thing on this, it was the wrong decision. And I think almost anyone that looks at it objectively would say it was the wrong decision. And we've seen Hugh make some of these play calls like over and over and over again. And it leads me down this path that I've heard from other people too. And I am fully on board with this now is that Hugh Jackson needs somebody else to help him. Whether it's an offensive coordinator or, you know, an assistant head coach that's helping him make these sort of decisions. I think Hugh's stretched too thin. I actually don't mind Hugh as a play caller necessarily. So I'm not trying to say, like, I want him to step aside from that and put somebody else in there. But I don't think he could do that and make the head coaching game decisions that he needs to make as well as he should be able to. I, I He's hurting us over and over again and causing us to lose games He's because of it. continually making bad in-game decisions, whether it be timeouts, all of those split-second decisions that have to be made. He's not doing a good job making them. And I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I'm fine with him doing the play calling. There's a bunch of people calling for him to have an offensive coordinator that does all the play calling, and he said that he's open to it. He's like, hey, if there's someone that can do a better job than me, like that's great. I'm looking for it. But – I just, like this game, I feel like I liked the way that he called the game. I liked the way that yeah. we moved the ball. I liked the plays that we ran. We were something I haven't seen the Browns do in a very long time where we were just dinking and dunking the ball. And we were getting eight, 10 yards thrown into the flat, getting people open in the flat. And Kaiser was hitting the throws. And it, our offense was just moving down the field. Like, I liked the way that the Browns played this week. Like, yeah. We, so the way we came out the gate. It was absolutely exactly what you're describing. We were hitting easy passes, hitting Duke in the in the um, flat. Dan Vitali, or Vital, whoever the heck you say, our fullback. Our, our fullback. The white dude. <laughs> our fullback, the, the white guy dude that wears number some 40. 40 number. He's white. <laughs> um, that guy. He caught, I think, two passes today. It was That's great. That's awesome. Good for him. Um, you know, but, like, those are the things that you need to do every once in a while to keep the defense on their toes, and we were moving the ball, to your point. The thing that was interesting to me, though, is we clearly came out wanting to establish the run. I mean, our first three plays were run plays. Um, we weren't able to get that first down on that first draft, but we were trying to establish the run. Um, and what was interesting to me is that we could never generate that run game throughout the entire game. It was so frustrating to me. I mean, like, yeah. we kept pounding Crow all the time and he wasn't getting a thing particularly on the stretch plays did you notice how on all those stretch plays outside he hesitated so long and then by the time he finally decided to cut it back there was nowhere to go yeah I'm, he was killing me i'm pretty down on crow at the moment like and at the beginning of his career i i really liked him and i thought he had a ton of promise and i'm starting to think that maybe it was kyle shanahan's offense and the the zone running scheme and We've, we've seen that be really favorable towards running backs um, in the past who haven't done much um, outside of that scheme. And now, honestly, there's times where there's holes there that he's just not hitting or there's yep. a guy that he just can't make miss and you see other running backs like make that play and he just can't. Once he gets into the field, the open field, he bruises. Once he gets ahead of steam ahead of him, like you saw him catch a ball um, – and run down the sideline and break like three or four tackles, which was exciting. That's what we saw whenever Kyle Shanahan was our offensive coordinator. But now I don't know that there are, like he's missing some holes, but there's not as many holes as we used to have whenever he was good. And I think that was the zone blocking scheme. 
a hundred percent. But but a hole in the NFL is so hard to see from like the sideline camera. Like, yep. I don't know. He's you, and then you see Duke Johnson get in there, and he gets so many more yards per carry. And yep. I'm not advocating that we give Duke Johnson the ball 30 times a game because he can't handle it. But like with the same offensive line running the same plays, he's being so much more effective than Crowell's been. Yep. And I just yep. have to wonder yep. if it's his own ineptitude. Yeah, at this point, honestly, with Crowell, I'm so lost on him that I wouldn't mind if we throw Matthew Days in there for a drive or two each game. Like, I don't see what we have to lose. Yeah, no, it's... Um, I'm on board. The game, but we're used to that. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's not really we're a loss. We're flip flopping quarterbacks. We might as well flip flop running backs. What does it matter? We can we can just do like hockey. Just have like lines. Just have Matthew Days come in with Cody Kessler and all the backups and you know oh, they man. practice together. Yeah. Get a unit there and see if we can I, keep uh, them fresh and rotate them quick. So once again this week we outgained the Titans. We uh, we outgained our opponent and still lost. We had uh, 284 yards to their 269. Yeah, that's bar- barely out Barely, but, but we did. It was, it, But it was equal, and the game showed that. I mean, we went into overtime. Um, but the difference was we threw three interceptions. They didn't throw any. They had that one fumble. But we just were going to keep losing games if we turned the ball over three times through the air. Like, like if Kaiser doesn't throw that interception on that drive right before the half, we could have gotten a field goal. If Hugh doesn't make the decision to go for it and we kick the field goal instead, um, when was that? Well, it was with 12 minutes left like, With 12 minutes quarter. left, we decided to go for it instead of letting Zane Gonzalez try the field goal. We would we would have not needed overtime or at least had yeah. a chance to. Maybe we didn't make the field goal, but like that, that decision really frustrated me. I just don't understand. Like it would be a long field goal. I don't know, dude. One of you guys – see how long it would have been it was 54 so, oh, yeah. yards it was actually the exact same distance as that game tying field goal um a few minutes that's exactly later. right yep and i don't it was a fourth and three too it's not even like it was fourth and inches like it was a pretty difficult you know um conversion to get there i have no idea why field goal wasn't considered in that situation and honestly as you watch if you go back and watch that fourth quarter we had so many chances to win the game that was oh, the yeah. first one that was the first one. So, look, Hugh decides to go for the fourth down. We don't convert it. We give them the ball in great field position. But we stopped them, like, right after that. Like, they didn't gain a yard. We got the ball back. We drove down. And then it was the offensive p- pass interference penalty, which when I watched it the first time, they called it on the wrong guy, right? They called it on Ricardo Lewis, and it was yeah, actually Higgins. on Rashard Higgins. But it's really bad. Is like, it? if you get to watch it again, Higgins, like, literally, like, checks the guy. Like, his, like, arms oh. go up, and he's, like, he – it deserved to be called. I was like mad at the ref when I first saw it live and saw the replay. But then when you actually watch it and watch Higgins, he completely like decks the dude. That's good to hear. And, and it was so frustrating. So we would have had the ball down at like inside the 30 if that had not happened because Duke gets that catch and goes all the way down there. Wasn't there an interception right after that? Um right after that OPI? Yeah. Didn't we so throw the OPI, it? the next play Yeah, the next was play, we needed inter- to gain the, a bunch of yards, and we threw it downfield. Like, Cody Kessler, with his limp noodle arm, was just trying to toss it as far as he possibly could, and he actually did it. He threw it farther than he wanted to. Which <laughs> <laughs> was good for him. Way to go, Cody. Yeah, so, pr- proud of you, champ. So that interception doesn't really hurt us because it's on third and 13, and yeah. if it was like a more veteran quarterback – I would give him the benefit of the doubt that it was like savvy and that he knew like 
there's low risk in throwing this into a, a tight window and trying mm-hmm. to make it happen. But I don't think Cody Kessler thinks about the game that way at this point in his career because he's probably just flying by the seat of his pants. He could. Cody's pretty smart. But it's also – he threw that into quadruple coverage. Like, it wasn't even it was a close. Bad throw. Did, did either of you see what was going on down the right-hand side of the field? No, we had a but receiver. I'm sure I'm not he was sure wide was. open. Somebody was streaking wide open. He could have thrown it deep right, and he would have had a lot better chance of completing a pass. Instead, he threw it right up the seam into all of that coverage. I don't care who our quarterback is. Like, whether it's Hogan or Kessler or Kaiser, none of them are very good. Yeah. Like, I know that. My problem is it doesn't feel like we have any sort of plan as far as the quarterback goes. like Correct. And now is as good a time as any to come up with one. Like, pick one and stick with it. So my frustration, so this is what came into my mind when I noticed, when I saw that Hugh was pulling um, Kaiser out of the game. Which, by the way, came right after we had this that amazing goal line stand, which I completely forgot about. Because I was so distracted by the like Kessler Kaiser situation and everything else that happened throughout the rest of the game, but that goal line stand needs some praise because that was actually pretty phenomenal. Okay, so Deshaun Kaiser has a relatively good first half, and then throws a late interception on um, a not so great decision. Or honestly, it wasn't a bad decision. He just didn't execute. He sailed the pass. You're talking about the first one? The first The first one in the first half, right? So he sails the pass. Like, it wasn't the wrong decision. The receiver was open. If he puts it where it needs to be, it's not a problem at all. But to your point, I think he's thinking too much. I texted you guys this in the middle of the game. I feel like he is thinking when he has a wide receiver open, oh, crap, I shouldn't throw this too bad. I can't have an interception here. And it seems to me like there are times where he tries to put some touch on it rather than just letting it rip and throwing the ball in rhythm. And that's where he gets in trouble. So that's how I attribute the first interception. Second one was just bad. He was, but open. in that situation, let's just like switch roles. Let's pretend we're the Patriots or the Packers. If you're watching Aaron Rodgers and you see them make those early mistakes, you immediately go, "Oh, I know he's going to go and try to make up for this, and like he's going to turn this around, and they're going to end up winning the game by the end of this." We're not even giving Kaiser the chance to do that. Like, so it's killing me that he has the tools. And if you just watch any Browns game and you see Kessler, Hogan versus Kaiser, it's so obvious that the tools that Kaiser has is twice superior, infinitesimally better (laughs) than what Hogan or Kessler could ever dream of. Like, there's no comparison. So why aren't we giving him the chance to correct it in the middle of the game like he's I'll, I'll we know you. he's a rookie and we know he's gonna make mistakes like i don't understand why you just pull him and just completely abandon it it's it's because we don't like people who party on friday nights michael that, that's why that's bullcrap because he didn't know about that until <laughs> after <laughs> hugh jackson was informed oh by gosh. reporters after the game, can we of that can we talk about yeah, can we talk, talk about, about how irresponsible? That is? And then we have to talk about Joe Thomas because we have to give him his due. But there is nothing that I could care less about than what the players on my football team are doing in their personal time. No, nope. no- nothing. 
Like, the, even the fact that Hugh Jackson found out that Deshaun Kaiser was out till 1 a.m. on Friday night in his post-game press conference tells me that it's not a problem. Like, it, it did, had no effect on his ability to prepare for the game. Absolutely none. There's not a curfew. He didn't miss a curfew. He didn't break a team rule. He didn't do anything. He's just living his life. Like, what if he was up watching Netflix, like, drinking a beer? Like, is that a problem? Like, should should right. we have, like, a nanny cam and make sure Deshaun Kaiser's in bed by 930 so we can be I at the facility? I like, actually had a nanny cam for Johnny Manziel. They could just use that one. <laughs> just put it on, <laughs> put it on Deshaun Kaiser. I, so I, here's my question on this. Do you think that the best quarterbacks in the NFL are actually out late at night a couple nights before the game? Yes. I think that's a fundamental question. Yes, you, I do. You if, do. If that's like their personality and their style, yes, I do. I think they live their life two days, two days before they I, have to show up. Do the, I think the night before the game? No, I, I, th- I think they're making the right decision and taking care of themselves. Yeah, it but just depends on the quarterback. Friday night, go go do whatever the heck you want. Okay. Like Cam Newton, you, Cam Newton's partying on Friday nights. <laughs> not a doubt in my mind. Being misogynistic <laughs> everywhere he goes, like. So here's here's the only thing I fundamentally like mo- most uh, of the good quarterbacks are just like boring, boring white dudes like for, for, for <laughs> like and boring white dudes just kind of sit at home do boring white dude things yeah like watch Netflix said Matthew in his collared shirt after he just got done meeting with a client <laughs> <laughs> I I'm a boring white dude but like I don't think being a boring white dude is necessary for being a successful NFL quarterback. Let's be clear. We think Russell Wilson fits in this uh, same category too yeah, of the boring true. white dudes. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so since Russell's the I whitest bad, dude I know. Matthew, Mark, Mark, your example of another quarterback that would have done this was Cam Newton, and that kind of yeah, I Ru- feel Russell like we need Wilson to be very is, clear about Russell our Wilson level is of like, racism here. He is like the oldest soul, like in the NFL. Like he, he Russ- was like 24 <laughs> and came into the league and just felt like an old man already. Yeah, which is amazing. So here's my only point on the Deshaun Kaiser thing. So uh, there was this whole narrative with Kaiser about how early he was getting up and the dedication that he was putting into his craft as a quarterback. And he was getting up and getting to the facility before 6 a.m. and all of this sort of stuff for the fan base to hear that a few weeks ago and then for all of the strife to commence. And then for in the midst of all of that to hear that he's out partying, I just I think that sends the wrong message to everybody that's out there. And it's just incongruent. I hope like, he's out the, doing the, things. I hope he's not thinking about the Browns on a Friday night. Like he deserves it, man. Like <laughs> I'm thinking about the Browns on a Friday night, but like and Mark's like, life is miserable. And I hate my life. <laughs> but like but like also he's twenty 21, 20, got 21 when he drafted, 22 now. He's young. He was out till 1 a.m. That is not late at all. I am out past 1 a.m. all the time, and I'm doing nothing except for hanging out with my friends. Like, it's completely innocuous. It doesn't even have a place to be talked about, I don't think. So I've got two things. First of all, the fact that Hugh Jackson and Deshaun Kaiser and everybody else was talking about how much work he's been putting into this season should buy him the benefit of the doubt when he's out to 1 a.m. Like, there hasn't been a question. Two, this culture in the NFL of, like, working 18 to 20-hour days, like, is yeah. bullshit. 
Like, it doesn't help you. There's a point where you cannot just keep working and working and working. Yeah. It, like, is unhealthy and it kills people. We shouldn't put that as the standard of, oh, you have right. to be in the building for 18 hours a freaking day to get yep, something yep. done. Like, yeah, put, in your, put in your 10 hours and great. And you're okay, good enough do for a me. good 10 hours of work. But, all right, so. Okay, let's put this to bed. And I want to hear your guys' thoughts. So, we were missing two of our key secondary players. And I would argue that this game was probably our best defensive game. Does our defense perform better without Jabril Peppers on the field? I, I think we perform better when he's not the deep safety, when he's not the free safety. I, I think we're fine yep. when he is the, the strong safety playing up towards the line of scrimmage and defending the run, which is the Derek Kindred position. Yep. But I think we play better with Campbell back there is the free safety and i don't think campbell's a very good free safety but he's better than peppers at this point in his career i also think body calhoun needs to start body calhoun but but here's the thing with body calhoun i think there's no doubt that he needs to start but how do you switch that up do you move jamar taylor to the slot and make him the nickel corner i think so but or body calhoun can play the nickel when we're in three when we're no i think jamar taylor's better is the nickel in my opinion fine with me i mean Get him on the field. Like, There's so many times good. he shed blocks. You can't block the guy. Every time every time a wide receiver comes up and tries to block him, he sheds it immediately and gets in the backfield and makes a die call. I don't know how many tackles for loss he has, but it's got to be more than 70% of the corners in the NFL, and he's not even starting for us. Like He gets in the backfield. Um, I mean, maybe maybe put McCordy at free safety. We talked about that coming into the year. McCordy can it's play not safety. the worst idea. It's, I mean, he's he's been good as a corner. Like, don't get me wrong, but if we can get McCordy as free safety, Body Calhoun, Jamar Taylor, and Jabril Peppers all playing, go for it. Let's talk about the defense, though. Greg Williams, I mean, he's had his ups and downs. Our run defense is amazing. Our pass defense yep. kind of blows. Um, we've questioned on this podcast his play calling, specifically late yep. in games. We saw that again this week where near the end of regulation, they yep. almost – throw a 40-yard bomb to Eric Decker down the sideline that hits his yep. fingertips and he drops. We blitzed yep. on that play and had a single high safety. Like, yep. I, I don't know what to think about him because I think a lot of the reason why our run defense has been so good is because we blitz often and we're bringing run blitzes and it's stuff in the line of scrimmage. But it's the, So the same reason we're good on run defense is the same reason we're terrible on pass defense and we're kind of taking the good with the bad. Yep. And I just don't know if it's a net positive. So another thing, just specific to this game, is I was shocked at how little pass coverage or how little pass rush we were able to generate. Like, we were sending blitzes and weren't getting anybody to Mariota. It was so frustrating for me. Which Taylor Wan's really good. Yeah, and and that kills you. If you're sending five or six and not getting there, there's only five people in coverage, and they're just going to be your open guys all day. If you send people, you got to get there or at least create pressure. Um, which is going to be happening a lot more often in the next coming weeks with Joe Thomas being out. They're not even going to have to blitz. Yeah, they're just – whoever their defensive end is just going to manhandle Spencer Drango and Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, whoever we throw back there is going to be suffering the consequences. I feel so bad for Joe Thomas. I just just feel for the guy. I hope he just gets a break and he just gets to relax and heal his tricep. But, or should we feel great for Joe Thomas because he has a legitimate excuse to not have to suffer through the rest of this Brown season? <laughs> yeah. He broke those consecutive snap streak record. It's over already. He's got it. 
it's his. He got his due. He deserved it. And now he gets to just sit back and enjoy the rest of the year. So part part of me, like, obviously I never wanted Joe Thomas's, like, tricep tendon to, to rupture or whatever happened. But could this end up being a, a decent thing for Joe Thomas and the Browns? Like, there's not a whole lot to play for right now. Like, it's less wear and tear on him if yep. – if he wants to stay healthier and I mean, I hope he doesn't walk away, but maybe play an extra year because he doesn't have these 10 extra games on him. Like as much as it sucks to see him go down, like we don't need him the rest of the year. We're losing every game anyway. Yeah. Let's not even field the yeah. team. Let's just see. Yeah, I think he's only 32. Week. Yeah. He's only 32. Yeah. He's got a year left on his deal. He, I, 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 and he can't, he looks, he also great. can't be traded now. Yeah. He can't be traded now. He'll Which was a legitimate concern heading into this week. So I think that's okay. I We love Joe. We tweeted. You guys tweeted the picture from when you guys got to meet him last year. And um, we think the world of him. And it'll be tough to watch our quarterbacks just die week after week without him out there. But um, I agree with you, Matthew. Yeah. It's probably not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, he's the nicest dude in the world. Uh, met him at the Super Bowl. Talked to him for five minutes about the Browns and he was kind of shocked that he met some Browns fans down in Houston who we were in a room full who knew of who he was. Yeah. It was hilarious. We were in a room full of, it was at this Super Bowl party and there was the only person I wanted to talk to was Joe Thomas. And he just got the biggest kick out of that. And so we talked about the Browns, thanked him for his attitude and doing whatever. He's the nicest guy in the world. I hate that he's um, hurting and going to miss the rest of the season, but uh, I wish him the best. Yeah, literally nothing has made me more jealous of either of you. I don't think I've ever been jealous of either one of you in my entire life. Come on, you're a little bit jealous. You're you... a little bit jealous of Matthew's head of hair. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> have you seen my hairline? <laughs> I know That's you right. are. <laughs> I, I won't admit it, but uh, maybe when I'm laying in bed at night, I wish that I had those locks. Oh, Michael's showing us his our, his bald spot right now. It's really prevalent, man. I'm I'm falling. Notable. I'm falling up the tail pretty close there it's worse than joe thomas's actually yeah it is all right all right so let's move on and let's talk about the uh games that we watch from the the division games um so the Bengals ended up losing to the steelers 14 to 29 the steelers came away with it just ransacked the Bengals, just ran all over them and the ravens lost to the vikings 16 to 24 the Vikings are our opponent next week in London, so hopefully that's a wild card. We might be able to sneak out a win across the pond. Um, you watched that game, Matthew. What did you think of the the Ravens-Vikings game? Looking forward to the Vikings next week. So the Ravens are terrible. Their offense is worse than ours. It had to have been. And they lost wide receivers in How this game. How is that possible? It's not. There's I, no way. That's a lie. It is. They can't move the football. Like So we don't score points, but they just can't move the football. Uh, I don't understand so why, though. Like, who are, so, who are uh, they going to throw to? Joe Flacco has been kind of terrible. Their offensive line is good. Backs are awful. They can't run the ball. Like, they're, they're, they just have nothing going on offense, which is crazy. I, I think – I told you this before we started the pod. I think the Ravens near the end of the season is going to be the best chance we have at a win going forward because they're not going to be able to score on our defense. And I'm, in week two we saw that, how we could kind of play with the Ravens' offensive defense. But – um, the Vikings are good. That defense is legit. They're fast. They're nasty. They're aggressive. I am terrified of their defensive ends, and now we don't have yeah. Joe Thomas. Whoever is going to be our quarterback, which it's going to have to be Kaiser because he can evade a pass rush. Yeah. Because 
he better have eyes on the back of his head because they are coming. So why was this game only sixteen to twenty four if the Ravens are so bad and the Vikings are so good? What did what was the what was the difference? The Vikings are starting Case Keenum at quarterback. They're not super good on offense either. I mean, Stephon Diggs was out too with a groin injury. Um, he's week to week, so we're going for that. Yeah, Mark. What, so uh, I'm going to interrupt this right now. Michael just left to go pee, so now we can just say whatever we want about him. And then whenever he comes back, we'll just pick right back up. One thing I have to say about Michael is he is very arrogant. It's amazing. Just, I mean, I, I said that about you, Matthew, and it's probably true in some way about me. Um, but he just, he's getting fat too. He's getting fat. He's p- packing he on the pounds around the him. waist. It's like, it's like as soon as he got married and locked up a wife, then he just felt like he could just do whatever he wanted, just eating, shoving Twinkies into his face. Twinkies down the pie hole. Just down the hole. Yeah. Yeah, he's also got a lot of body hair in weird places. Yeah, like he does. I'm shoulder a, hair, upper back hair. Like, I'm afraid that, that that's like, going to happen to me. Like, is Find Michael's, a razor. Is, um, so, yeah, the Vikings, and <laughs> it, it really does seem like the Vikings are probably going to beat us next week. Um, but, you know, that's what we expected. Hey, Michael, welcome back. I think we can yep. hope we can hope that the the trip to London is kind of the wild card there. Yeah. Um, sometimes those London games go weird, so maybe the Browns will have a chance. Well, we're we're hoping for it. Obviously, we're going to have a big, um, big handicap with Drango as our left tackle. Um, yeah. But before you move on, yeah. Do you think that's set in stone? What do you think we are going to do to like replace Joe Thomas? Is it set in stone that it's just going to be Drango? He's going to plug and play. I, I feel like there might be an option where Sean Coleman moves to the left side and you move somebody else over to the right. That if I mean, <clears throat> I don't have any inside information, obviously, um, but that's what I would do. I think Sean Coleman's our most athletic tackle that is ready to play in the NFL. Um, I know Zach Banner's pretty athletic, and but I don't think he's ready to play at all. I think we're going to bring up – don't we have Stirrup on the um, practice squad? I think he's gone, Is but he, he gone? might be on the practice squad. Uh, I don't know. Any we chance might bring we him up? Trade for Cam Irving, get him back in here. I miss that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's starting for the Chiefs. A fourth round. Yeah, pick he's maybe. getting some run with yeah. the Chiefs. Yeah, he's at right right guard, I think. But I I think Drango's a better right tackle. Like he, he's more of a run blocker. Yeah. Like if we throw him at right tackle, Coleman at left tackle, run the ball behind Zeitler and Drango, and just road grade and hope that's going to be our best chance. I mean, Coleman's going to get beat. On the on the left side, but he gets kind of beat on the right side every once in a while. Gets but he's manhandled. Fine. But at least it's not the blind side. Yeah, like but he just gets pushed back. Like throw him to the right side, and then you're he's the quarterback's not going to get blindsided. But I think Coleman nobody, gives us the like, best chance. Yeah, nobody beats Coleman like straight off the ball, like just with speed. Yeah, and that's what's going to happen to Drango over and over again if he stays on the left side. Yeah. So my take, I think that I am with you, Matthew. I would put Coleman over there and then put Drango on the right side, but. What do I know? Like this week, I'm dreading watching Danelle Hunter come off the ball against Spencer Drango, and like, what's gonna happen? That dude is like lightning in a bottle coming out, and he's just gonna blast past them. It's him, and it's Everson Griffin on the other side, so it's not like it's a whole lot better. Yep. All right, so let's move on. Um, It's gonna be a good game next week, but we decided to start a new segment this podcast uh, talking about the different teams at the bottom of the NFL and where we stand in relation to those teams. So we're going to talk about the Browns, the 49ers, the Colts, the Giants, the Bears, and Matthew wrote up a little something 
about whether we would trade places with them for where they currently stand moving forward in the future. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk, especially on Brown's Twitter, about the front office and the rebuild and all sorts of stuff. There's been articles written about it, and none, none of this is in a vacuum, right? Like, you can think what you want about the Browns' rebuild, but at the end of the day, we're competing against the, the rest of the teams. And what we really need to focus on right now is being in a, the best situation to succeed in the future, given the situation yeah. we're in currently. And so that's... Like, there's other teams in the NFL that are terrible right now. And, frankly, if we're not better than those teams or don't have a more bright outlook than those teams, then we're really in trouble. So I was just thinking about this today and thinking about the 49ers, the Colts, the Giants, and the Bears, which I chose those teams according to Football Outsiders. They have the, um, including us, we have the most likely chance to get the number one pick in the NFL draft or get a top five pick. Um And so I was thinking, would I even want to trade situations with them? So um, why don't don't I go through and I'll give a little um, review of each team and then you and Michael um, make your choice. Would would you trade with the Browns? Would you swap positions? So I'll give you the Browns right now. What about the GM? The GM's a key piece of the equation too. So it is, but I don't know enough about some of these teams' GMs. Like okay. to to really make a decision. Like I like ours, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about. I guess I, I actually know all of these teams' GMs, but I mean you kind of know based on what players they've picked and that sort of thing. Yeah, anyway, I think so that's a we key. Can, we can we can a, but, a piece of it too, for sure. So for the key young players, I just looked at players that are still on their rookie deal, who are contributing in a big way. Maybe would be starters on other teams as well instead of the crappy team they're on right now. So. For the Browns, it's kind of an extensive list. You got Miles Garrett, Corey Coleman, Emmanuel Ogba, Njoku, Jabril Peppers, Brian Body Calhoun, Duke Johnson, Joe Schobert, and Danny Shelton. Which is a pretty a of- solid yeah. list of players. Although I will say if Joe Schobert was on another person's team, we would not have put that on the, him on the list. But he's playing a really good middle linebacker right he is. now. He's yeah, he is. Um and he's on his second year in the league. So um we have two firsts and Three second-round picks going forward. Our quarterback situation is Kaiser, Kessler, and Hogan, which isn't good. We've got Hugh Jackson, who's 1-22 now as the Browns head coach. But the big kicker, we're projected to have $117 million in cap space going forward. So keep that as your baseline. The next team most likely to have the number one pick is the San Francisco 49ers. So why don't you just ask us right now, would we trade places? Okay, would you trade places with the San Francisco 49ers right now? No. No. Why not? I would trade coaches. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I might take Kyle Shanahan over Hugh Jackson. That's true. But that might be the only thing that I would, like, think that they have better than us. I like their talent on the defensive line um, because that's basically the only place that they've drafted over the last three years. Yeah, their key young players are all D-linemen or linebackers. Solomon but, Thomas, but, Reuben Foster, Buckner, and Armstead. But, I mean, their quarterback situation isn't that much better than ours. I like, would argue it's worse. It's, it's probably worse. Well, that's that's a lot. But all the other teams <laughs> all of the other teams on the list, their quarterback situation is definitively better than ours. But right. the, the 49ers isn't. Yeah. The 49ers also have $118 million in cap space. The only other team that's close. More than us. Um, by a million dollars. <laughs> so what about the next step is the Colts. No. Would you trade with the Colts right now? I think I actually would. And the reason why is the big kicker is that they've got a clear franchise quarterback. And 
not only do they have a clear franchise quarterback, but they also have a GM in place that I think is making really smart decisions. I actually really like what Chris Ballard has done this offseason. He's kind of stripped away some of the bad contracts. They don't have a ton of talent across the board on that roster. And I'm going to guess, I think you actually told us before this, that they don't have a whole lot of young, talented players that you can look at. It's bad. It's Malik Hooker, who tore his ACL, Ryan Kelly, their second-year center, um, and I put Antonio Morrison and Quincy Wilson. Antonio Morrison is playing linebacker. <laughs> Question? That's just because uh, we're Gator fans. <laughs> yeah, but Quincy Wilson was their second-round pick, but he's been inactive for the past couple weeks. Yeah, it's uh, okay. So it's hard to even argue that he's a key young player if he can't even see the field. My thing is I love that they have Andrew Luck, and I would give all of our first five picks and our next pick, first pick next year, and everything that we have to get Andrew Luck, but they just don't have the talent to be able to do anything. And even when Andrew Luck is healthy and he's in the game, they're still not winning games by a lot. Like they're not, yeah. they're and not good. They're just not a good team. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is. It's like, if we just throw some random person as our quarterback, if we had a drafted Deshaun Watson, like we're just not good and he wouldn't look good. Yeah. And there's so the I, Chuck Pagano factor. I think right, Chuck Pagano is going to go. He's not going to be their coach next year. I think it's almost certain. Yeah. Chris Ballard is going to get him out and he's going to be gone. Bring somebody else in, which then that team could be really, really good. They get yeah, a, no. a couple so, top picks you know, this year and then build out the yeah. talent on that roster. And T.Y. Right. Hilton is a young player that is not on his rookie deal, but he just signed a long-term extension, and he's definitely a solid wide receiver, which is some something, something that the Browns cannot um, lay claim to. All right, so the next team, which is a little bit of a surprise coming into the year, is the New York Football Giants. So they have a 4.4% chance to get the number one pick. Would you trade with them, Michael Kuhn? No, 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 no. Really? They built their team and free agency with big contracts. Like, I honestly, like, the only player I can think of that is a young player that I would want to build around, well, there's two, I guess, one on offense, one on defense, is Odell Beckham on offense, and then their safety, what's his face from Alabama on defense? Landon Collins, and that's it. Yeah, so they they Sterling Shepard's good. Yeah, Sterling Shepard's good. Ah. Evan Ingram's good. Um, but they've got a 37 year old quarterback, only 33 million dollars in cap space going into next year. A lot of that's going to have to go to Beckham when you resign him. Yeah, they're in a bad situation because they're selling out to win this year, and they're and they're losing one in four. <laughs> yeah, or maybe Beckham just comes to the Browns. I mean, I'd take it. That's fine with me. We'll we'll give you all the cap space. I'll take it for twenty million dollars a year. I don't even care. It doesn't matter at all to me. But like, the Giants can win next year, maybe. But then they're in trouble. They've got some people on big long-term deals, and Eli Manning's going downhill fast. I would yeah. think. And their offensive line is terrible. Quarter- Eli Manning's been downhill yeah, for a while. They don't have a quarterback waiting in the wings. They they're in. They're definitely in trouble. No, they have Geno Smith and Davis Webb, the rookie out of Cal. And just look at their head coach. I mean, seriously, just look at Ben McAdoo. Can you imagine having to watch him on the sideline every single week? <laughs> I don't. I don't know how he goes Michael into an NFL no. locker room and like instills confidence. I couldn't think of like a more unconfident-looking person than Ben. He McAdoo. looks like he should be like teaching chemistry at the local high school or something. Yeah, and intimidated by the local high schoolers, like. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know how it works. All right, and the the final team we've got here, actually the penultimate team, I've got a little trick up my sleeve, is the Chicago Bears. Mark Kuhn, would you trade spots with the Chicago Bears? 
Hmm. No, I would. I I like that they have Mitchell Trubisky, but it's not even Andrew Luck. They're. I I'm just so excited about our young talent because probably just because I know more about them. But no, all of our draft picks, everything we got coming up. I they only have 52. We have twice as much cap space and arguably as many young players on our rookie contracts. We got more young players on rookie contracts that are actually playmakers. No, I don't I don't think I would. Yeah, to me this comes back to the cap space. Um what is there what is the Bears cap space situation? 52 million to R117. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's the differentiator to me because I I like their running backs. I think they've got um, a pretty solid offensive line. Both of our team's receivers absolutely suck. Uh, But at least they have a guy that they're going to build around. That's like the thing that they've got going for them. Like they know who their quarterback that they're planning around is. We don't know who our quarterback is like quarter to quarter. So uh, (laughs) I got to give them a little bit of credit there at least. All right. So I think I agree with you. I don't. I I don't know that I would trade with the Bears either, um, just because Trubisky's still a wild card. Um, yeah, and you so don't really know what this is be. encouraging, right? Like this exercise, like to truly think about the five worst teams, which the Browns are clearly a part of that group in the NFL. Like we're the Colts pretty are the only one who would trade, with, right? We're yeah. pretty definitively in the best position for the future. I would think so. Um, so I have a bonus round here. Would you trade spots with the Houston Texans? See, that's so tough for me. Because their, fu- their cap space isn't as bad as I thought it would this be. This is future looking, not, not, right, not this season. Space look like? their, their cap space is $47 million. They have $47 million. They're going to lose um, Jadavion Clowney, or they have to re-sign him with that cap space. Yep. And they don't have first or second round picks this year. Nope. That oh, so that's the, a that's a huge factor. So their their talent is what it is. Is depleting for now, and they're not as good as they thought they were going to be. And let me, their key young players aren't that great. I mean, Deshaun Watson, who I mean, I've expressed my reservations about Will Fuller, Will Fuller who's fine. Zach Cunningham, linebacker, who's turned out to be pretty good. Nick Martin, their center, and then <clears> Kevin Johnson, their corner, who can't stay healthy. Okay, and so. You mentioned that they're going to have to spend money on Jadavian Clowney. They're also going to have to spend money if they want to keep Dwayne Brown, who has not played a down yet this year because he's been holding out. I still think he's got another year left on that deal, though. He had this year and next year, which it mm. blow my mind why he held out. And I, I, that'll be yet to be determined. I think he gets traded. That is if, the if craziest not, thing. If not this week. Why is no one talking about that? It's like gone kind of quiet. It, surprisingly, their offensive line has played decent in his absence, um, and part of that is the scheme that they're doing that they're playing there. They're letting Watson get the ball yeah, out really true. quick. Um, I like but I think Brian's that's done with Watson. To answer your question, I don't think I would trade with Houston. And a key part of this to me is I'm not sure JJ Watt's ever going to be JJ Watt again. Yeah, I mean, well, if every year um, J.J. Watt just goes out with an injury and Brian Cushing gets suspended for the year for PEDs, then, like, <laughs> we don't have much of a defense. <laughs> Which, Cushing's like an annual tradition at this point. Yeah, it is. All right. I, yeah, I did. I like that exercise. It made me feel better. I might that might be a nightly ritual for me. We're doing better than we're doing better than the 49ers. But, we're doing but better you're than gonna the Colts. Say, you're going to say your prayers and then you're <laughs> yeah. going to remember that the Browns are in a better position than exactly. those other really crappy teams in the NFL. Here's a final perspective on this though. If we did this last year after 7 weeks, 
I don't think the Browns look quite as like rosy their outlook. I think our front office has done a tremendous job bringing in young talent yeah. and acquiring future draft picks and protecting yeah. cap space. Yeah, first seven games of last season, you asked me to compare if I'd switch places with the Giants. I would say absolutely. Yeah, like no doubt yeah. in my mind. Uh, but then You're you right. see where they are right now. So that shows that shows progress. That's awesome. And we have 117 million dollars in cap space. That's with a 16 million dollar cap hit for Brock Osweiler this year. Like we're yeah. not paying anybody right now, and, and we're we saving will, for the future. And we're all so young. We're not going to be paying anybody for a while. So whenever we start to get this experience, I think there's going to be one season where we just go free agent crazy and we bring in a ton of people that we want. Well, it's going to be interesting because you got to save space for the young guys that you do want to keep. And that's going to be the second phase of testing this front office if they are able to stick around is are they going to be judicious with who they let walk and who they hold on to? Because that's really how you build like a, a perennial contender is saving the right guys and letting the right guys go. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, that's a few years down the line for sure. Um, but as we get all of these draft picks and they develop, we're really going to have to pick the right ones to keep on those long-term yeah. deals. But you see, even now, like we're letting down, letting go of all of these veterans, but we're keeping the ones that we say that we want, like Joe Thomas, Jamie Collins, like those guys that are clearly a cut above the rest, right? or in theory keeping. Like Joe Hayden, people thought was like one of our best players, but it just wasn't true. He had an interception this week. I forgot to mention that. Oh, Joe Hayden, Yay, first Joe. good for year. Joe. Yeah, Joe. Good for I'm Joe. Happy, I'm happy for him. I, I I don't actually don't think I actually watched it, so I don't know if it was a, a really good player. Just one of those like sometimes you can get an interception that falls in your lap. <laughs> but um, good for Joe. I'm so, happy for him. Yeah. All right. Moving on to everyone's favorite segment of the week, where we pick the lines of the upcoming primetime games: Michael and Matthew versus my coin. <laughs> which showed up well, Mark, huge this, is this becoming, week. Showed up huge. Yeah, this is becoming your favorite segment of the week because the coin is treating you right. The coin is my bro. This so, uh, this Florida 2004 is a real bro. <laughs> so Matthew and I happened to pick the exact same teams last week, and we went uh, combined 0 for 6. Wah, we missed wah, on wah. every single one that we picked, and Mark won two out of his three. So he made a huge jump and has now um, – he's really only one game behind us. So um, we got some ground to make up. All right. The first game this week is Miami visiting the Ravens, which, um, if I'm being honest, I hope no one actually has to watch this game. But uh, the Ravens are favored by three points, which basically just means they're playing at home. Um, Matthew, what do you think? I am going to take the Ravens, minus the three points, winning three to zero. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a push then, Matthew, Um, and you might not win that one. All right, we'll go six to zero. (laughs) Okay. Four to to zero, two safeties. No, I like Justin Tucker. He can can hit a couple field goals. Six to zero, Ravens. All right, here we go. All right, Mark, what do you and the coin have to say? Oh, we are going with the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to pull it out. Um, that just powerhouse offense. It's just <laughs> Joe Flacco is really in his rare MVP form. <laughs> so to me, I think both these teams really are not good, but somehow Miami keeps pulling out wins. I think they're like five and two at this point. Do I have that right? 
Um, and I know the Ravens are not good. We've been looking at them week after week. So I'm going to lean in Miami's favor and uh, see if Jay Cutler can pull out a miracle here. Which leads us to the Sunday night game. Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the Detroit Lions with Pittsburgh favored by three points. Mark, you're up first. Um, I am going to go with the Steelers. I think that um, the Steelers are just a better team than the Lions are. Um, They have way more offensive weapons. Um, I haven't watched Detroit that much this year, to be honest. Um, But my coin said the Steelers. That's... (laughs) That's how I make that. And it hasn't treated you wrong thus far. The coin's been been quite good to you. Pretty great. Matthew. All right. I think the difference in this game, the Lions are coming off of a bye week and they're going to feel rested. Um, Steelers played a tough division game against the Bengals. You know how the AFC North can be. I think they're a little beat up, a little slow, a little distracted by Martavis Bryant. I'm going to take the Lions. All right, Matthew, with the Lions, I've got Pittsburgh with Mark and his coin. Um, Smart. I think Pittsburgh's finally starting to realize who they are. They're running the ball a lot more than they were at the beginning of the year, and I think the ball out of Ben Roethlisberger's hands is the right move at this point. So I think they're going to rely on that again, and Pittsburgh will cover those three points. Which brings us to the Browns game. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings and the Cleveland Browns in London – Minnesota favored by a whopping nine points. I want two things. I want the key to the game, and I want your pick. Um, to me, the key to the game is whatever this offensive line can muster. I, With Joe Thomas out, I think that's going to be the biggest key, regardless of who's playing quarterback. If we can figure something out um, and keep our quarterback upright, I think we've got a pretty decent chance to cover, and I'm hoping that a week of uh, practice will get them ready. So I'm going to actually go with the Browns just because that line of nine points seems like a lot. Yeah, I am going to go with the Vikings, um, Tails <laughs> said. Um, but here's the thing is I think that if we, if we, the Browns, could limit our turnovers and figure out all these untimely penalties, we'll be able to hang with anybody. But I don't think we're not going to have a full week of practice because we're going to be flying to London. I don't know how that works, but I just don't see us being able to pull it together in a strange condition over in London. I think the Vikings are just a more disciplined team. They're a more mature team than we are right now, and they're going to be able to um, beat us by 10 points. All right. Yeah. That leads us to Matthew. <clears throat> My key to the game is going to be how many points our defense can score. Because <laughs> we have no chance in this game if our defense doesn't come up big and get at least one turnover that sets up points or um, score some points on their own. Um, having Joe Thomas out for this game literally terrifies me. I think the Vikings defense is going to dominate this game, their defensive front. Is not even going to be challenged. Our quarterback's going to get destroyed. I've got to take the Vikings. We'll see if we get any new listeners in London after the the Browns go across the pond. That would be pretty sweet. I think think we have one listener in London already. So maybe shout out to that man, whoever you are. Email us. Email us. Yeah. So the the international listeners have been very intriguing to me. We've got like a pretty significant contingent in Australia. Oh, Japan? Um, in in to- Tokyo? 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 We got a few listeners in Tokyo. Shout out to y'all. Yeah, more than a few, honestly. Yeah. Uh, send us emails. 
Yeah, we I want to hear from who you. Who are you? What are you doing in Tokyo? What are, what are you up to? What's your life like? You want to come grab a beer in Nashville or fly <laughs> me out to Tokyo? I'd be happy to join you there. Um, so speaking of listeners, we have a – got to give a shout-out to our friends, um, Alex and Peter, who've been sending us every week uh, an update. They have season tickets, and they're sitting in the stadium. So this week they – Sent us an update kind of on the, the stadium feel and the vibe and how the, the fans are um, kind of either rallying around this team or, or abandoning Booing. them and talking about when Joe Thomas went down and the stadium went silent. So, um, Alex and Peter, we appreciate, you. we appreciate you listening. We appreciate the emails always. Um, keep them coming because we're down here in Nashville and Jacksonville and can't always quite make it all the way yeah. up to Cleveland. And don't get to talk to very many Browns fans, so we're starved for that. That 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 taste of Brown's interaction. That sweet little interaction. Yeah, we need it. Um, so, yeah, everybody that's listening, please send us an email, uh, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on iTunes. And as always, Venmo me your money. Um, my Venmo name is Mark-Coon-2. It's not for Michael and Matthew. It's just for me. Actually, shout out to my girlfriend's dad who Venmoed me. <laughs> <laughs> Venmoed me nine dollars. He said, and I quote, one point or one dollar for every point the Browns scored this week. So that's kind of a jab, but he's right. And I'll take the money for every every week. I'll take that. The Browns I are gonna explode for like fifty points one week and you're gonna have to send him a Venmo I'm request gonna, for I'm, fifty bucks. <laughs> I'm literally gonna do that. All right, guys. Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you guys next week after we beat the Vikings. Go Browns. Go Browns.